A former president can keep whatever presidential records he wants, and the government has no authority to seize them, period. Now, that was the Department of Justice's legal opinion a decade ago. It was a conclusion shared by both the National Archives and a U.S. district court in Washington, D.C. On that basis, ex-president Bill Clinton was allowed to maintain custody of whatever he wanted, including allegedly classified audio tapes that he stored in his home, a sock drawer of all places. Fast forward to August 8, 2022, Attorney General Merrick Garland ordered a team of FBI agents to raid and forcibly seize presidential records from the home and office of former President Donald Trump. Now, Garland did it because it was Trump, not Bill Clinton. It was purely political and contrary to the established policy of the Department of Justice, the controlling law under the Presidential Records Act, and the earlier federal court decision. Now, the 2012 case arose when the organization Judicial Watch filed a lawsuit seeking Clinton's documents pursuant to the Freedom of Information Act. Litigation ensued to pressure the National Archives into retrieving the materials. District Court Judge Amy Berman Jackson ruled that control over presidential records rests squarely and solely in the hands of a former president. And I'll quote the decision. The National Archives does not have the authority to designate materials as presidential records. It lacks any right, duty, or means to seize control of them. End of quote. Now, the judge adopted, it just so happens, the very argument made in court by the Department of Justice. Here's what DOJ argued. Quote, Seizing the records is an extraordinary request that is unfounded. It's contrary to the Presidential Records Act, express terms, and contrary to the traditional principles of administrative law. End of quote. That was the DOJ back then. So there you have it. Merrick Garland defied both the Justice Department's own legal interpretation of the law and previous court precedent in order to target Donald Trump in advance of an important national election. Garland's flagrant abuse of power bears the unmistakable stench of partisan politics, which has infected the attorney general's corrupt tenure from the outset. The FBI did not raid Bill Clinton's home to reclaim records, nor did the FBI raid former President Barack Obama's unsecured warehouse, where he stored classified documents for the better part of two long years. Lawless raids only happen to Republicans. Attorney. Fox News legal analyst and two-time New York Times best-selling author. This is The Brief with Greg Jarrett. Billionaire investor Michael Pinto has a warning for you. Don't listen to anyone 
who tells you how bad the crash will be and when it exactly will happen. Nobody knows, but the CEO of Wells Fargo warns the worst is yet to come for Americans. Pay attention to the economic data. Inflation is at a 40-year high, and make no mistake about it, the recession is real, no matter how the White House tries to change the definition. That's why Bloomberg, Goldman Sachs, and Jim Cramer are all calling for gold to surge. Gold and silver have historically moved opposite the stock market and in the long term can preserve your purchasing power. Call 800-809-8500 and Lear Capital, the number one rated gold company, will present the same trusted options they have been giving successful investors since 1997. At Lear Capital, most IRA rollovers qualify for no IRA fees for up to five years. Their current incentive offers up to $15,000 in bonus silver for well-qualified new customers. A three-minute call can protect your portfolio with the power of real physical gold. Call 800-809-8500 today. Again, that's 800-809-8500 and tell them Greg Jarrett sent you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Brief. I'm Greg Jarrett. The Bill Clinton case is instructive on several levels. First of all, not only does it establish the right of a former president to designate what constitutes presidential records, but it also grants him the right under the law to maintain control over what he deems to be personal records accrued during his term in office. Second of all, the case also recognizes the sole discretion of a president to segregate and dispose of records. In other words, destroy them. Finally, Judge Jackson's opinion reinforces the constraints on the National Archives and the Justice Department. Their ability to retrieve documents from a president is limited to civil action, not criminal seizure. And thus, in the Trump dispute, the proper remedy was for Merrick Garland to file a motion to compel enforcement of the civil subpoena-seeking records. But that's not what he did. Instead, he chose to ignore the Presidential Records Act and raid Donald Trump's home under the guise of criminal statutes that have no application. He snookered a magistrate into signing an overly broad general search warrant that's strictly prohibited by the Fourth Amendment. Garland and the National Archives are contradicting themselves. They assert that Trump has no right to the presidential records, but when Bill Clinton did the same thing, it was perfectly okay. He can keep them. No raid, no crime, no national security concerns. Move along. Nothing to see here. If Garland is foolish enough to indict Trump, I look forward to watching how he'll twist himself into a pretzel trying to explain the government's blatant hypocrisy. All along, the attorney general has claimed without real evidence that the former president harbored still classified documents in his possession. Against the law, said Garland. Donald Trump insists he declassified the records before he left office. 
Media pundits, who know next to nothing about the law, have mocked the former president's statements. Naturally, they are wrong. This invites the question, what is the process for declassifying records? Well, for a sitting president, there is no firm protocol. He has unfettered authority and latitude to declassify anything. He can do it at will. The power derives from Article 2, Section 2 of the Constitution. It identifies the president as commander-in-chief. Now, typically, presidents do follow an informal process. They sometimes notify relevant departments that may be affected by declassification. But that is not mandatory. It's not imperative. It's written nowhere in the law. In declassifying, the president can provide a reason or no reason at all. He might memorialize his act in writing if he wants to, but that's not required by any rule or law or regulation. Indeed, he doesn't have to tell anyone about it. In plain terms, the president can simply do it. Agency and government officials can complain about it all they want. Oh, the president is jeopardizing national security. But they have no recourse, no power. They can do nothing to override or countermand the president's decision. If Trump declassified the documents in question, then this entire controversy is about custody of presidential papers under the meaning of the Presidential Records Act. As the Clinton case underscores, these kinds of disputes belong in civil court not criminal court, but Garland and the FBI took a different course. Why? Well, the answer should be obvious to any reasonable observer. This was always about politics, not national security. The latter was simply a convenient pretext. The true intent was to bludgeon Republicans politically with the cudgel of a raid and the corresponding threat of a criminal indictment against Trump, that was guaranteed to gin up the Trump-hating media into a frenzy right before the midterm elections. The FBI has served as witting accessories to Garland's machinations. They have weaponized their immense powers to persecute and prosecute political adversaries. President Joe Biden has created the equivalent of a secret police state within the FBI. The litmus test now for thuggery is your party affiliation. It's not just Donald Trump. The FBI and the DOJ want to crush all political opposition. If you dare to protest policies or disagree with the Biden agenda, you can expect a heavy knock on the door. Maybe they won't knock at all. Recently, nearly two dozen whistleblowers within the FBI stepped forward to members of Congress exposing how the Bureau has been running a protection racket for the Bidens, hiding incriminating evidence of Hunter Biden's influence peddling schemes, halting the criminal investigation, and spreading lies about Russian disinformation. 
But that's not all. The whistleblowers have offered detailed evidence of how the FBI spies on law-abiding Americans to help advance a political agenda. They manipulate crime statistics. They inflate the number of domestic terrorism cases. They conduct raids without legal justification by lying to judges. SWAT teams have been misused and abused to make misdemeanor arrests. Overzealous agents are banging on the doors of people who were nowhere near the nation's capital on January 6th. Now, these honorable whistleblowers who have had the courage to come forward are being punished by top brass at the FBI in direct violation of laws forbidding retaliation. On top of that, recently, Merrick Garland sent out a department-wide directive ordering FBI agents never to speak with members of Congress. Garland's missive is not only illegal, it violates the Whistleblower Protection Act, not that he would ever care about that. FBI Director Christopher Wray has done nothing at all to clean up his cesspool of an agency. To the contrary, he covers up acts of malfeasance and misfeasance while enabling Garland's authoritarian lawlessness. Concerned parents who complain at school board meetings, they're treated as domestic terrorists. They're investigated by the FBI. Escalating attacks on pro-life pregnancy centers are largely ignored by the FBI. Zero arrests. Both the FBI and the DOJ look the other way when demonstrators stand outside the homes of conservative Supreme Court justices and yell threats at those justices in direct violation of the law. Any arrests? Of course not. None of this is surprising given the shameful record of the FBI. Under Ray's predecessor, James Comey, the agency lied to the FISA court to obtain warrants to spy on Trump's campaign. They doctored evidence against him. They used a phony dossier as the basis for a corrupted collusion investigation of the president that they knew was utterly baseless. Sadly, this is what our once vaunted law enforcement agency has become, a powerful political cabal that targets innocent Americans and routinely violates their civil rights. Both Christopher Wray and Merrick Garland have squandered trust in government. They should be sacked or impeached. Reform is desperately needed. Joining me now to talk about it is Carrie Pickett, senior congressional reporter for The Washington Times. She's written numerous stories on government corruption as well as bias and abuses by the FBI. Carrie, thanks for joining The Brief. You wrote a recent story on how House members are pressing a former top FBI official for an interview on the pervasive political bias at the FBI. Tell us about that. 
That's right. You have uh, the top Republicans on the House Judiciary Committee. They sent a letter to a former FBI assistant special agent in charge. This was Tim Tebow. They uh, requested a transcribed interview from Mr. Tebow and the preservation of all existing and future documents related to his role in the politicization of the DOJ and the FBI. Now, look, we first reported that Mr. Tebow had resigned from his post after a 30-year career over at the FBI. That was last month. And this was amid all these revelations that he had made all these political statements online while leading the the uh, public corruption unit. Now, you had, uh, of course, Chuck Grassley uh, and Ron Johnson. They were doing, the, the, of course, the investigation into Hunter Biden. And, there w- and, and they said that he was essentially leading the, the investigation into Hunter Biden, but that he was also slow walking and trying to sort of shut down the investigation into Hunter Biden. So there's questions about that. You do have Tim Tebow, who through his lawyer said that he did not shut down any investigation into Hunter Biden. He was not leading it. So he's denying all of that. But still, there's other things that I have looked into as far as Tim Tebow is concerned. A number of FBI insiders have told me that Tim Tebow had these draconian sort of uh, vaccine policies. He was looking to kind of push out people who were unvaccinated. He used the uh, the uh, the, uh, the the uh, vaccine documents to find out who was unvaccinated and who was using a religious exemption to find out whether or not maybe they're conservative, maybe they're not. Uh, so there were some issues with that. And uh, you know, Tim Tebow was sort of known as, you know, pretty vindictive among a number of FBI insiders. So he's going to be questioned about his own politics. He denies that he's in any way sort of a, you know, political scoundrel uh, over at the FBI. My concern, though, Greg, is that if he is brought to Capitol Hill and he is brought there to talk about, uh, you know, how he was, he's going to present himself as some sort of hero, a la, you know, Peter Strzok or, you know, Andy McCabe, and that could be a a big issue. So definitely watch for that. You know, look, the Hunter Biden case is really perplexing, and it it invites the inevitable conclusion that that something is going on here that is fundamentally wrong. The FBI has had the Biden laptop since December of 2019. Uh, and the Department of Justice investigation preceded that. Uh, there is a trove of incriminating evidence of influence peddling schemes by Hunter Biden contained on the laptop. There are witnesses and participants who have implicated Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. Yet inexplicably, there have been no charges uh, brought. And, and, you know, there is whistleblower evidence not just Tebow, but I think others, that top officials at the FBI shut it down and they concealed damning evidence and actually sealed the file and prevented anybody else from gaining access. Uh, so, I mean, isn't this the sort of thing, the sort of evidence that Congress needs to find the truth about? Well, certainly. But you see, someone like Timothy Tebow and, and a lot of his defenders and those who don't want a lot of the information of Hunter Biden to uh, get out, they'll argue, well, how could someone like Timothy Tebow possibly have any power? And by the way, they're saying, oh, 
come on, he didn't have any power. He was just the uh, ASAC over, you know, <laughs> over at the uh, over at the Washington Field Office. I mean, I mean, they're making it sound like 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 he was some sort of schlub. Uh, first of all, so the, you're going to hear that if you haven't heard it already. Then they're saying, oh, but that laptop. No, that was being handled by the Baltimore field office. Like, you know, Washington had nothing to do with it. As if like, as if like there was like a total, you know, compartment, as if it was like totally like separated. And then like Washington had like no clue as to what the Baltimore field office was doing when the laptop was like sent over to Baltimore. And the problem here, Greg, is, as you very well know, is that because the FBI's, you know, orders very often, like with the orders from, from like Washington, you know, every Thing kind of like an octopus, like the octopus's head is the Washington field office, is what is, is the headquarters sure. over at the FBI. They go, guys, do this over at the field office and you will obey everything Washington says. It's kind of funny that they say, oh no, Baltimore does its own thing. We didn't see anything over at the laptop. I mean, come on, right. seriously. And that's the excuse that they're using right now. How important are these whistleblowers who have come forward, uh, as we understand it? Up to 20 of them have stepped forward. And what kind of FBI abuses are they describing beyond what, you know, you've told us about Tebow? Mm -hmm. Well, first off, you have someone like Kyle Serafin, who um, I spoke to, you know, pretty early on. Uh, Of course, at the time I was speaking to him on background and uh, he had first described to me the... uh, the FBI is sort of like a like a division between you have the intel analyst and then you have uh, the FBI agents who do the invest the uh, investigatory work. The, the intel analysts very often use like a lot of open source information. So, for example, he, he described them as as like pretty liberal. Who and they'll say maybe they'll like use CNN or MSNBC and they kind of use uh, they like create sort of like a profile of uh, of these like domestic terrorists. Uh, so if you're like a you know pro life, if you uh, uh, you know, school your kids at home, a homeschool uh, parent. Uh, if you uh, have a Gadsden flag, if you clean your guns with your friends outside, whatever the case may be, that kind of like, uh, and maybe you go online and you say like a lot of politically charged stuff, they may be looking at you as like perhaps a domestic terrorist. Now, you, you know, one may think, oh, come on, you know, that's like nonsense. Well, a perfect example is someone like Mike Glover. Uh, this, this guy, he had a uh, simply a, uh, a a company called American Contingency. This guy wasn't even making politically charged statements online. He was a uh, yeah he, he, he was a Green Beret in in the Army, retired, and he set up in this emergency preparedness site for people to uh, have like you know things ready to go in case there was a cyclone, tornado, or flood, and people. Um, used uh, his his site to like help them prepare for things like that, but the FBI went after him as like some crazy prepper, thinking, oh no, this guy's crazy. You know, he's, he's a former military guy, and he's making people out to be crazy preppers. But this guy was simply just helping Americans, just you know, set up for like you know, in case there's a hurricane or something, um, you know, or, or like something to like that effect. And they went after this guy. You know, I mean, I'm not surprised that like we're seeing situations like Mark Hauck over in Pennsylvania. Uh, he obviously, you know, 
felt what was going on um, over at the FBI when his situation um, over at his house, the FBI raided him. And so yeah, in front of his seven know, kids, we're actually seeing and, and, of, and for you know. what? A, 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 apparently a verbal altercation that resulted in a shoving match, but a phalanx of FBI agents show up at his house. He's a deeply religious man. He's a minister. Uh, and, you know, they, they, you know, instead of picking up the phone and calling his lawyer and saying, hey, we're going to bring charges against your client, have him come on in and, and surrender. No, uh, you know, they show up at his house and according to his wife with with guns aimed at his head in front of his, you know, horrified children, uh, they bust him and, and haul him out of there. I mean, this this is talk about overkill. Right. And look, Greg, you know, you're a respected lawyer. You know how things are, are, are supposed to go as far as the order that things are, are supposed to go. And a crime is supposed to happen first. But it appears that the FBI has become more of an intelligence gathering agency as opposed to a criminal or rather a crime investigatory agency more than anything else. And therein lies the biggest problem. And it seems that a number of lawmakers up on Capitol Hill, they are wanting to change that now. Republicans are looking to perhaps say, look, we have got to decentralize things from Washington and start bringing it back to the states and make the FBI what it was always intended to be, which is an investigatory agency as opposed to a intel collection agency, which is what the CIA is. But that is supposed to simply be something on the foreign end, not the domestic end. But ever since 9-11, the FBI uh, has become an intel gathering agency. And, you know, there are good reasons for that. But there's a downside. And these whistleblowers, Carrie, have come forward and said that the FBI is now spying on law abiding citizens here in America to advance a political agenda. And they're manipulating crime stats. They're inflating domestic oh, yes. terrorism cases. <clears throat> Excuse me. They're conducting raids without legal justification. They're lying to judges. I mean, all of this should be deeply concerning to Americans. Absolutely. In fact, to your point with um, inflating uh, terrorism uh, uh, numbers, uh, one, of the, one of the things that I uh, first learned from a, from a FBI uh, personnel, I'll put it to you that way, uh, is that they like to inflate their numbers, particularly when it comes on Thanksgiving or Christmas. So, and this happens in a lot of field offices all over the country. So they'll say, hey guys, just open up a case on any random individual, you know, even if you don't close it, just open it up because it'll pump up my numbers. In this case, it'll be someone like the, uh, you know, the, uh, the ASAC or the, uh, or the uh, SAC over at a FBI field office. Uh, and this is a big problem. So they'll say, you know, just open a case. It doesn't matter if it has any merit or, 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 or not, because it's all about promotion through the FBI to get to a nice retirement spot, you know, and then you can. So they're, they're opening phony cases, essentially. They're opening phony cases. So then, you know, the, uh, the, uh, bosses over at the FBI, the, the, the executives over at the FBI can simply get promoted and then they can retire with a nice pension. That's, that's the entire point. I mean, I've heard about uh, executives who simply want to get to a nice point over at the FBI and then I can retire maybe into Google or, you know, just get out of there. That's, yeah. 
And, That's and, a big idea. I mean, the downside of it is that then the, the innocent targets of these phony cases are having their civil liberties violated, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because, you know, you could have a, a situation of someone who is being monitored or tracked by the FBI and they've done nothing wrong, but yet they have a horrendous mark over on their record. There, right. you know, I mean, sometimes from what I understand from a Kyle Serafin is that they've been uh, told, hey, look, just go out there, find out if you can just get them to say, hey, yeah, you know, go out and like buy like a few guns, go out there and try and get them to say that they're totally about like doing something completely illegal and, and like horrendous, even though they had no intention or capability to even do that illegal act. So it's basic entrapment. Which is what? Which is the exact word that Kyle Serafin used? Yeah, uh, one gets the picture here, and and I tell me if this is true based on your reporting that there's unequal application of the law. There's a double standard: one that applies to Democrats, a dramatically different standard for Republicans or conservatives or pro-life people or anybody in Donald Trump's orbit. Uh, does it look like that to you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In fact, I have a story coming out, uh, and I can't talk too much about it, but uh, within the FBI, as far as treatment of of, uh, employees' points of view, some those on the left are promoted within the executive ranks, and while those on the right are punished. You'll see more about it over the Washington Times yeah. uh, when that story comes out. I'm sorry, I have to be very... <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. Listen, you know, you don't want to break it on my show. You want to break it on your employer's uh, newspaper. But let's talk for a moment, if we may, about the FBI's raid on Donald Trump's home, which Merrick Garland said in his news conference that he personally ordered Now, Garland is FBI Director Christopher Wray's boss. Is it your sense that the FBI has been a willing participant in all of this or, in the alternative, an unwilling pawn in that episode? Oh, um, the the FBI has definitely been attached to what Merrick Garland uh, pretty much wants to do. Uh, I... I get the sense, especially from the um, FBI agents, that they are looking to have Chris Ray pretty much tossed. Uh, this is, and, and even though I will get the statement from the FBIAA, which is the uh, FBI's uh, agent association, they'll say, "Oh, come on, we have the support from ninety percent of the of the uh, FBI agents that they just love Chris Ray, and they're all about." Well, they pay dues to the FBIAA. Um, they're not a union; they're a, a nonprofit. But still, the thing about the FBIAA that I'm hearing from FBI agents is that they're pretty much a rubber stamp for Chris Ray, and as as well as by the way Merrick Garland. So it's you know as far as they're concerned, they're pretty much joined at the hip, and yeah. and, and the problem here is that uh, over at the FBI, if if the FBI agents, the one, ones where the, where the non executives try to whistleblow 
against the FBI, there really isn't a good process for them to go through this. Now, now look, God bless Chuck Grassley. He has been working with um, FBI agents to make his uh, whistleblower protection act uh, back in 2018. You know, this is when I first started coming across a number of these FBI whistleblowers. Um, there was some consternation about how the FBI um, Whistleblower Protection Act was sort of constructed because um, anytime they whistleblow, uh, the FBI very often will retaliate against them. And then those who whistleblow have to pay out of their own pockets for their own legal defense. And then the FBI will say, well, guess what? We're going to litigate you into bankruptcy. So good luck. Right. And therein lies the biggest weakness right now in the current FBI whistleblower protection uh, law. And that's what they're sent- That's why all these whistleblower disclosures, by the way, are going directly to Congress. They're not even bothering to like go through the FBI um, whistleblower protection act steps. They're just sending it directly to Congress to like um, whether it's directly to Chuck Grassley, whether it's directly to Ron Johnson, or whether it's directly to Jim Jordan and his committee, because. Because they feel like they are emboldened right now because they see the, the seventh floor over at the FBI and, and we're in Washington to be extraordinarily weak. You know, um, as I mentioned in my opening remarks, um, Bill Clinton was allowed to keep uh, presidential records, including allegedly classified uh, audio tapes at his home after he left office. And the Department of Justice uh, took the position along with the National Archives, and it was confirmed by a federal district court judge that he's allowed to keep them. He has unfettered discretion to decide what's presidential papers that the government should have custody of or uh, what documents he wants to keep. And they made that argument, and the federal district court judge, an Obama appointee, said, You're right. Uh, you know, Bill Clinton can keep this stuff. He is the ultimate uh, decision maker on presidential papers. Uh, and and now all of a sudden, uh, because the last name of the former president is Trump and not Clinton, uh, Merrick Garland is taking the exact opposite uh, point of view in his raid of Trump's home. The president has no right to the control or custody or maintenance of anything whatsoever, and that the National Archives uh, has the ultimate say over this, which the federal district court judge said, no, that's an incompetent agency. They don't, they don't know what's presidential papers, what is not, what's classified, what is not. I mean, the, the hypocrisy, it seems to me, is stunning. And I, I don't see how uh, Merrick Carlin can explain his own department's inconsistency on the law. Talk about inconsistency. Number one, we're talking about the DOJ uh, leaking that, uh, and we're wondering even if this is an official photo from the FBI photo log. We don't even know if that was even part of the log onto, you know, of this, uh, of what appeared to be a staged photo. We don't even, I mean, I'm hearing that uh, one of the FBI agents down there was like wondering, I don't remember that photo being part of the log. Hmm. But, you know, and so if those uh, papers were so incredibly important and so incredibly classified, the question is, why was it blasted out there? Number one. Number two, uh, if the FBI 
is such the premier agency of handling classified information, I want everyone to definitely check this piece out that I wrote, then why is it that their own people are talking about the fact that the FBI's seventh floor executives are are walking around their own skiff with cell phones, okay, and using their cell phones within the skiffs. Kerry Pickett, senior congressional reporter for The Washington Times. Uh, thanks very much for joining The Brief. And that's The Brief. I'm Greg Jarrett. Thanks for listening. <laughs> 